It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, talking MSU football, uh, as we always are throughout the entire season and the offseason, as uh, we've been going strong for over a calendar year here um, of weekly MSU football content. So tons of stuff to get to here uh, as a, as a kind of disclaimer we misjudged our calendar a little bit here, so we're going to have to pump out some of these position breakdowns, position previews uh, as as we get closer to the season. You know, it's it's sneaking up on everybody, and it's uh, sneak sneaking up on us a little bit here too. We just have a couple weeks until the season starts. We realize that means we only have a couple episodes until the season starts, which means uh, we got to get to these. So we got. Wide receivers and tight ends were kind of grouping together as pass catchers. That was originally the plan anyway. And then we're also including the O-line here to finish out the offense. As another disclaimer, we're recording this a bit earlier than we normally do. It's Thursday evening after work. Uh, We have some scheduling issues over the weekend for both of us that, uh, you know, we got to roll this thing out early. I got a wedding this weekend. It's not my wedding, uh, but I do have a wedding to attend this weekend. So um, yeah, if we miss any news, that's why. And uh, make sure you follow along on Twitter and it'll probably be there. So it's at standing room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18 on Twitter. So Scott Thursday after work, we still got another day left in the grind, but uh, how are we doing this evening? Doing good. You know, while you were doing the intro, I was daydreaming a little bit about um, what it's going to feel like that Friday morning in 15 days. 15 days from now, I guess when this is dropped, it's going to be down to like 11 yeah, days or something. I can't count we're, that difference right we're now. We're just being proactive. <laughs> um, but do you remember being on campus on that first oh, like man. Friday game? You have class, but you're, you know, getting let out early from every class. Everybody's excited for the game, man. I miss that. I'm excited to feel that this year, you know, you log on Instagram or wherever uh, first thing in the morning and you see it's game day on MSU football's accounts. I'm just, I'm stoked for that. We're so close. It's so exciting. Um, But yeah, we have a lot, a lot to get through. We uh, 
call it laziness, call it uh, whatever you want, but we let things get ahead of us a little bit. So we're going <laughs> to rifle off. That just means we're going to have some action packed episodes the next couple of weeks. And then we're just going to roll right into the season. So it is funny fun. for, for doing only MSU football again, you know, we've talked about it before, but no basketball here, no baseball here, just MSU football all year round. We've been going the entire off season and we somehow found a way to, to screw this up and not have enough time <laughs> to finish the preview. So here we are. Um, like you well, said, you know, we have full-time jobs. If, if uh, the listeners, if you tell your friends, if you tell enough of your friends about us, maybe, you know, this could be our full-time job God, and then we could plan be a, a little better. Yeah. You know, get us a radio show. I, I guess this is the modern day radio show. Yeah. Graham, Graham couch might hate his job, but we sure as hell wouldn't in that position. Nope. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get into position previews, we're going to be finishing up the offense today. So I think we did running backs and quarterbacks. We'll be doing pass catchers and offensive line today, but a couple administrative notes, a couple kind of newsworthy snippets i guess the 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 least newsworthy but also kind of fun piece of news is that uh Kaden hauser finally got his fourth star rivals was holding him back for a while so they finally tacked that last star on his composite went up to four stars and i think on the composite now he's a top 200 player so yep. again recruiting rankings do not score points in college football but there's only so much to talk about and get excited about this time of year so um, it made some rounds on Twitter, felt a little silly, but also kind of fun. So shout out Kate and Hauser. I think we're back up to like 16th or 17th in the composite rankings, um, continuing to put it together a really impressive class. Yeah. Does it matter? No, but at, at a certain point, like you said, I mean, it is fun. And when you're talking about the quarterback position, it's always nice to have a guy in there that is viewed as one of those potential you know like in the nfl there's the franchise quarterback uh in college football there isn't exactly a a, a well-branded name for it but program face face of the program type guy and when national people are looking at him as one of those guys potentially and he's coming to msu it's always a nice sign and you know when you see the composite rankings and you see that msu spartan helmet up there with you know, the, the best of the best in college football, it is nice to see, you know, and, and when you're looking at recruiting and stuff, other recruits do see that other recruits see your name in that top 15, top 20. And, and, you know, it, it gives them a little pause to say like, huh, well, if I go there, I won't be viewed as, you know, kind of uh, Oh, you're just playing with that smaller school to get playing time or something. Right. So there is something to it. Is it important? Not really, but um, I, I do think there's something to it. You know, we, we, we often take more than we should out of something like that, but always nice to see, especially this time of the year. Yeah, next note, uh, congratulations are in order. We did have a life goal checked off um, the, the list, the bucket list this week. Our own host, Kevin Parker, is now a official voter for the Lou Groza award for the best place kicker in the country. Congratulations, Kevin. Official vote. Yeah. Um, thank you. First of all. Uh, and thank you to everybody who, who reached out on Twitter. This was, uh, this, this, this is the coolest thing that's 
happened to me since starting podcasting and writing. Um, the backstory is not as interesting as you might think it would be. Uh, I sent an email to the voting committee the uh, of the Lou Groza Award and basically just, just talked about like myself as a former kicker, uh, as, a, as a college football podcaster and writer, and uh, as a quote advocate for the kicking position. Um, and they, they add me to the list. So I am an esteemed voter. This does mean that, you know, I, I do have voting integrity. So while uh, Matt Coughlin, you know, I, I would love to see him find himself on that list, but I got to be objective here. I got to take bias aside. So, you know, he's going to have to put a good season together for, for him to get on my ballot. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I'll say that right off the bat here is that, you know, I, I am taking this seriously here. I'm not just going to throw the, the sympathy throw vote for Coglin even with his awesome ginger mullet. So, uh, <laughs> but again, if he does put together a, a, a grows a worthy season, well, um, you know, he's got a, he's got a supporter in me. So, uh, it's, it's, it, it feels silly. It, it just feels like we're living in a simulation that my, you know, that, that I have a vote to say like, who is the best something in some area of anything, <laughs> but here we are. Yeah, well, as somebody who hasn't, you know, signed my life away to any integral, integral, um, integral, I don't know the word. I haven't made any promises. I will be campaigning for Matt Coughlin behind the scenes. So listeners, rest assured, he will have, <laughs> there will be a little birdie in Kevin's ear, regardless of whether Matt Coughlin misses every kick he attempts this year. So if, if you see Matt Coughlin go like five for 22 this year and he gets one first place vote for the, the LaCrosa award, you know where well, it came no. from. <laughs> yep. So a couple other little things here. There is an AD search for uh, Michigan State right now. Bill Beekman stepped down. What was that last week, the week before last? I don't yep. remember when it was. But so that's still rolling. There was, a, I guess the board of directors wanted Tom Izzo to step in, in the yeah, interim, we, which seems weird. We hired a, a searching committee, um, one of those uh, searching agencies. So Collegiate Sports Associates, I guess, was hired as the search firm uh, today. Uh, this is Thursday again, so this is kind of old news as you're listening. But uh, apparently they have a pretty long track record of hiring uh, D1, ADs, head coaches, uh, so on. So uh, I don't know, take that for what it's worth, but hopefully we'll be getting some news here in the next couple weeks. Uh, I would like they, I would think that they would like to get that wrapped up as soon as possible, um, you know, with, with a busy sports season coming right around the corner here. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned on that news. Yeah, and finally, um, we will get into it with our Northwestern preview a little bit more in depth, but a couple things coming out of Northwestern camp as our week one opponent we felt we should touch on. First and foremost, unfortunately, their starting running back has been knocked out for the season with a lower body injury. So they were only returning like 30, 34% of their offensive production from last season. A lot of it was from uh, from that backfield and their second and third running backs from last year, both transferred out. So they will be pretty desperate for finding some production in the running game 
coming into week one. And Hunter Johnson, former Clemson commit, former Clemson player, transferred to Northwestern. I think we saw him a little bit in 2019. 2019, yep. And he looked horrible, like with a capital H. It was um, legitimate Rocky Lombardi levels of on his worst terrible days. quarterback play. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't look up his – I don't know if you have his quarterback rating available from that season – I'm sure we can get that up here quickly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's I, good news. Yeah, he was a former five-star kid. I think he was like the number yeah. two quarterback in that class. So again, like when we talk about Caden Hauser, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, he came in in 2019. And I remember previewing that season and thinking like, holy cow, man, Northwestern with a dynamic five-star type quarterback this could be really interesting because we know they're going to have a good defense and a decent run game like man this could be scary and it turns out yeah they had the bad version of rocky lombardi so (laughs) his quarterback rating in his northwestern career in six appearances is 75.5 his passer rating excuse me not yeah and that's the college scale which is different than the nfl scale and his, yeah, he's got like one touchdown to four interceptions or something. Is that right? I don't know if you're looking at it right now. Yes. He has one touchdown, four interceptions, 46% completion rating or completion percent and an, a yards per attempt of 4.0. So um, that, that should yeah. be it, like, that should be a yards per carry. Four should be a yards per carry, not a yards per passing attempt. <laughs> so for context, um, as a team, both of our quarterbacks last year averaged about 6.9. Which is still low. Um, hey, that and their passer rating was 117. 118 passer rating last year. Um, Hunter Johnson's was 75. So not to say he hasn't improved. And also not to say Northwestern hasn't improved since 2019 because they were pretty historically bad that year. Um, which again, we'll get into when we do our Northwestern preview, but a couple of notes, their offense is in a bit of a, I guess, a sketchy place. I won't say a dark place. They could be good. It's the off season. Who knows what kind of improvements they've made or what kind of new talent they have. Pat Fitzgerald um, has been making people look stupid for years. So I'm much on the offensive side to be fair. Yeah. Um, But I'll never be too strongly against Northwestern, but bad sign for that team yeah so um pretty light week outside of that though there was a press conference with scotty hazelton today our defensive coordinator for those who maybe haven't been paying attention for the last two years um he mentioned a couple freshmen that were kind of catching his eye chuck brantley at corner uh Derek harman at defensive tackle and uh ma Nauteote at linebacker so Yet to be seen if they'll actually make an impact on the field this year. Obviously, as true freshmen, that's tough to do, but they are catching some eyes in camp. So, um, Kevin, anything else from the press conference I'm missing? Not really. Um, just bits and pieces here and there. And again, I'm, I'm sure a lot of this will be a bit of old news by the time everybody's listening to this. Again, apologize for for recording a bit earlier in the week here than we normally do, but. Um, no, I, I mean, you get little bits and pieces from clips out of camp and from press conferences here and there, and you take it all with a grain of salt and, you know, we'll see what actually 
happens out there week one against Northwestern and who's in the starting lineup and who's playing a ton of snaps and who's not until then, I, I really have a hard time taking a whole lot of this with too much conviction. So interesting. One thing nuggets, that did come but, out. Yeah. One thing that did come out, um, nicknames for Deshaun Mallory, both big, sexy and big daddy. So I have a question. Would you rather be called big, sexy, big daddy, or we'll show it. We'll throw in a wild card sugar weasel for uh, Angelo Gross. Sugar Weasel is by far the best nickname on the team right now. I do I feel appreciate... like it's like a spin on Honey Badger, right? It's like a right. it's something well, sweet that's, with that's, a rodent. Is that well, that's joke? kind of the the thing was he he had that Tyrone Matthew play style and I the way I looked at it at least, I don't know if this is the, something that I actually talked about is he's kind of that Tyrone Matthew light so honey badger sugar weasel um yeah but it, i i know that he has mentioned like um uh he he has talked about how he models a lot of his game after matthew and you can see that from the way he plays right he, he's always around the ball trying to make plays on the ball trying to to force turnovers and so if we can get even a light version of Tyra Matthew, one of the greatest college football players that I can remember watching, we're on to something. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, but that's on the defense. We'll get to the defense next episode. Today, like I said, as promised, we're going to be talking about the offense, what we haven't talked about yet. We're going to start with the O-line today. So this is a group who has plenty of experience. Uh, but in that experience, they didn't play particularly well so far in their careers as a group. Last year, we talked about, I think a little bit last week, that they just have a historically had a historically bad season last year. Um, they're looking to bounce back. They have a lot of pieces to work with. And obviously, Chris Kapilovich, our offensive line coach and run game coordinator, is supposed to be one of the better uh, coaches in the country in his role. So plenty to be optimistic about, but obviously need to see some results this year. Um, yeah. So Kevin, I guess we'll start with kind of the known guys, right? So across the five starting spots on the offensive line, do we know who is going to start anywhere? No. <laughs> well, so we return every snap that was taken by an offensive lineman from last year. Plus in addition, bring in Jarrett Horst, the the transfer from Arkansas State. And we we did this kind of quick exercise a couple weeks ago where I basically ran through the offensive line roster and just gave you the quick like, yes or no, is there a chance that he starts? And I think we got to 10 where it was like, yeah, I, I could see it, right? Like I could see a world where it's possible. So um, no, like we'll, I'll, I'll kind of give my mini depth chart that I have basically just jotted down before this, just from my view of these players, in addition to reading a little bit of tea leaves as well. I, the way I'm looking at it right now, if I'm predicting the week one Northwestern first unit out there, I got Jarrett Horst at left tackle, which is something we've been talking about basically since he arrived on campus on this podcast is that Jarrett Horst was going to be the left tackle, and now everything points to that being the case. J.D. Duplain 
and Kevin Jarvis as the two guards. AJR Curie at right tackle, switching over that side. And I think Matt Allen is going to be the starting center. I that's a coin flip right now, I think, between him and and Nick Samak. So uh I, I'll just lean towards Matt Allen for no other reason than I think it's a total coin flip. And today I picked heads. So Behind them, you got guys like Blake Boyder at guard who has played a ton of snaps. You've got uh, James Ohanba, who's been getting a lot of love. Uh, you've got Carrick, Matt Carrick, who's been playing a lot of snaps. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily good snaps, but that's a, a different conversation, I guess. Uh, you've got Luke Campbell, member of the famed 2016 recruiting class now, uh, been in East Lansing for forever, uh, who is still on the team. I think he's somebody that you have to at least consider for one of these spots, probably not as a starter, but maybe he's that swing six offensive lineman. He's played tackle and guard. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of guys that I can see getting snaps in here, and, and that's not even accounting for injuries. That's just saying I, I really don't know who the best five is, and that's going to be part of the challenge for Kapilovich and, and Tucker is just finding the best five. And if that means that somebody has to play a position that isn't necessarily the best for him, I mean, we've seen Kevin Jarvis move out to tackle uh, I think moving him back inside to guard is his best position. But, you know, if it turns out that he's a better tackle than our Curie is and, you know, the the difference between Boyder at guard and Jarvis at, at guard isn't a huge difference, then I wouldn't be shocked to see AJR Curie sitting on the bench with Jarvis taking a spot at right tackle and someone like Blake Boyder stepping in at the guard spot. So I, there's a... T- there's probably 25 different variations of this thing that wouldn't shock me, right? There's, there's a bunch of them that would be like, huh, I didn't really see that one coming, but uh, you could probably get 20, 25 variations of the starting five. And I would be like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. It's an interesting group. It's uh, you got to consider depth always with offensive line as well um, because of the potential for injury. Unfortunately, it's a position where you see a lot of injuries, uh, especially Michigan state the last few years. Um, and I think on the inside, we're pretty well insulated, at least for sending guys in there who were comfortable, understand what their job is, whether they do it well or not, it's a different story, but, um, there's a lot of different guys you can rotate in the center. I mean, you've got guys who I didn't even mention who've been around like Jacob Asaya, uh, Gino Vandemark is new on campus, but he's been playing at guard. Um, you've got a few different guys in there. I'm a little more concerned about depth at tackle. Again, you can move Jarvis out there, but you know he was a tackle last year, and our offensive line was was bad. I mean, he didn't he held his own, but he was by no means pushing for votes in any All Big Ten lists, anything like that. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as saying he was a liability, but I think you'd really prefer to have him on the inside. And that's the thing um, is you, you mentioned that, that he wasn't, you know, by any means even close to pushing for those type of votes on the outside. He was an all big 10 player on the inside the last time we saw him there. So yeah. take that for what you will. Again, it's one out of five, it's 20% of the offensive line. And 
sometimes it's really hard to judge one guy's impact compared to the whole line, but does seem to be his better position. Yeah. And one other name I'm going to throw in the mix as a depth tackle, just because I've kind of been hoping he emerges for a while is Spencer Brown. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's been in the program for a couple of years now, D'Antonio recruit um, who I've been excited to see. Uh, I, I know there's, especially with the offensive linemen, sometimes there's always guys like that who just never really emerge. They just never really adjust to the college game. Um, see but I Devante wouldn't be surprised. Dubs. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if Spencer Brown gets some depth reps early in the season, especially against those non-conference lighter opponents. Um, and keep an eye out for him if there are any injuries that, uh, you know, push a need at tackle. But um, yeah, it's an interesting group. To me, it feels like kind of a low ceiling. I want to say high floor, but probably low ceiling. Low <laughs> floor group. High like, floor, man. Have you been watching them uh, the last three years? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, I, I come back to the experience thing and it's such a trap because we talk about this every year we have an experienced offensive line. We're like, well, if nothing else, they've played together a lot mm-hmm. and then they still come out and, and crap the bed. So I, I just, it's hard to believe they could be around this long and not be better, like significantly better than last season. The thing I'm looking for is it, it by all statistical measures, we've actually been a solid pass protecting group. So you're, you're middle of the road in the country. We were 61st last year in pass protection if you can get our run blocking up to average where it's been horrible the last few years in, in terms of rushing offense, like rushing yards per game, we've been past a hundredth worse than a hundredth, all three of the last three seasons. Uh, I mentioned the stat last week when we were talking running backs is that we averaged uh, in terms of rushing yards before contact by running backs. We were 123rd in the country last year. That's just to say they were opening no holes and running backs were getting hit as soon as they got the ball or as soon as they got to the line of scrimmage. If you can just get the run blocking up to FBS average level and keep that pass protection at an average level, that would do wonders for this offense. Just open a couple more holes, just give a little more space to these running backs and allow for a, a moderately successful run game. And I think this offense could look so much more efficient on a drive to drive basis, because when you're looking at just three and outs left and right and, and turnovers, whenever there wasn't a three and out, like it's just aggravating. So I, I think just getting to league average in run blocking, that's, that's what I'm looking for here. Yeah, and one guy I think is going to help with that a lot is Jarrett Horst. Um, he's been known as kind of a guy with a mean streak. He plays meaner than a lot of the guys on our team, and I think that's something that's been lacking a little bit with our offensive line, and you need that to be a good run blocker. You really want to have that hunger to just demolish, just blow up the guy in front of you. Uh, not just do your job, but make that guy feel worse about his own abilities. Like. You really want to get in their heads and and get them on their heels and get them to start second guessing whether they can really do anything against you. And that's an attitude thing as much as it is a skill and a technique thing. And it sounds like horse has that. So obviously it's yet to be seen if he can blow up 
uh, Big Ten defensive ends um, or linebackers. But I like hearing that. You know, you go back to the offensive lines we had in the mid-teens with the Allen, the, the older Allen brothers, um, you know, Jack Conklin, those kinds of guys who just love to put guys on their back um, and, and weren't afraid to get a little – you want to use the word dirty? I don't know. A little, uh, little scrappy with it. Um, so hopefully we can kind of regain that edge. You know, you can deal with probably a personal foul here and there. If it means the guys are playing with a serious attitude and um, we'll see if they can bring that back. I think it would do wonders for the team to just feel like they're, you know, ready to beat somebody up. Yeah. And sometimes in terms of the attitude, it can, it can, be just one guy coming in and changing that kind of mentality for the group. And you know, we mentioned like one guy is only 20% of the starting unit in terms of a talent level, but that attitude can be infectious. And so if, if you have a guy that can come in and, and just from day one, instill that type of mentality, that type of aggressiveness and, and just rub off a little bit on the guy next to him, could make a big difference. So yeah, I think we're going to be looking for that. It just can you open up some more holes in the running game? Cause the pass protection has been okay. And that's just keep that, give us some more holes in the running game. And I think as MSU fans, we'll be, we'll be pretty happy with that in terms of a second year growth from Chris, Chris Kapilovich, who you mentioned is, is somebody that was really highly touted coming in wasn't able to get his hands on these guys at all in year one going into the season. So with a full off season, getting these guys working together, working in practice, uh, is that able to, to get that kind of year two jump from the coaching staff? So, yeah. So to wrap the offensive linemen, um, for me, it's a wait and see approach. I want to be optimistic. Every part of me wants to say the experience is going to come through the full off season is going to come through and we're going to have a good year but it's been a little while since we've seen a, a really strong offensive line in East Lansing. So um, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. We're going to go up against a stout Northwestern team who maybe doesn't always put a, the most pressure on the quarterback in pass rushing situations, but certainly knows how to line up against the run. So if we can come out against Northwestern week one and have a good running game, the first week of the year, I think Spartan nation will have reason to be optimistic, but wait and see, we will yep. see. So the pass catchers, this is relatively fun to talk about, I think, compared to the offensive line, especially. But it is something that's a bit tricky because we know we've talked about it before. We know the top two guys and everybody else seems like a relative question mark, right? Yeah, yeah, it's um, interesting. And it's even when you move over to the tight ends, I think the tight end, as much as any position on the depth chart is wide open this year. I mean, I, I don't have a favorite. I mean, there's, there's guys we'll talk about who maybe have a slight, had a slight edge going into camp, but I, I have no clue who's going to take the first snap there. Um, and the third wide receiver spot is, I mean, we talked about it, I think a little bit last week is really intriguing. Um, and also where will that third wide receiver line up? You know, we know who the top two guys are, but if we have somebody to put on the outside, do Reed or Naylor move on to the inside? Um, so I guess we'll start there with Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor, the top two receivers coming out of last year, pretty clearly the top two guys um, in that room going into this season. Um, Kevin, what do you expect from these two versus how they looked last year, even though it was kind of a funky year? 
Yeah, I mean, you have to look at them to take a step forward, right? They're both guys who have been around the game for a while. Reed has only played two seasons of college football, given, you know, he was, he just missed out on this transfer portal stuff. He had to sit a whole year when he came over from Western Michigan, but both guys who I think played at or near an all big 10 level last year, uh, I was looking at it. I was digging into some PFF stuff, which um, in its own, I think people can take from it what they will. But one thing that's really useful is they give a full snap breakdown of not only how many snaps did you play, but where did you line up? Uh, last year, Jaden Reed played 460 snaps, 334 of those snaps were in the slot. So that was something that we kind of saw just with your eyes is, yeah, he's mostly playing in the slot, in the slot, but it just puts a number to it about 75% or so uh, of his snaps. He did play in the slot, led the team in catches, had that Rutgers game week one. If you remember that there was that third or fourth and short, he took one like 50 yards to the house, ended that game with 128 yards and a touchdown on 11 catches. And I remember coming onto the podcast after that week one game and just thinking like, all right, that was terrible. First of all, that whole game was horrible. Everything about it was terrible. Everything was negative, but we got this receiver who looked really nice. So he was like the one bright spot coming out of that week and was just pretty consistent the rest of that year. So I think regardless of who takes that third spot, especially when you're looking at a couple guys who have that bigger frame. I think Jaden Reed's pretty much locked into that slot role and he's going to excel. He's got good hands. He's got good run after catch abilities, somebody who you can just run a drag route across the field. You can get him a little bubble screen and, and he can make something happen. We've seen him be really dynamic in the return game as well. So yeah, I think Jaden Reed is, is somebody we're going to love to watch this year. Yeah, and, and Jalen Naylor, obviously another fan favorite, uh, Speedy Naylor, who may be the fastest guy on the team, certainly one of the fastest. Um, he's the top, take the top off guy. You can line him up in the slot and put him up against the safety or a nickel corner. You can line him up on the outside and just have him in a track meet with his whoever the outside corner is. Um, but where Jaden Reed maybe has a little slight edge in agility and athleticism, Jalen Naylor is a faster wide receiver. And that is, you know, the, the stats last year kind of alluded to that where Naylor didn't have quite as many receptions, but had significantly more yardage in a higher average catch distance. He was the guy catching the deep balls over the top uh, of the defense. He had, I think he had four touchdowns last year, at least two or three of them were, he beat the entire defense. He had zone. plays. I, I've brought this stat up before, but he had plays last, just last year in seven games of 75 yards, 57 yards, 56 yards, 53 yards, and 45 yards. A couple of those were touchdowns. A couple of those were not, but that just, I mean, that type of ability, five plays of at least 45 yards in seven games is ridiculous. Yeah, and don't expect that to leave this offense, especially as they're trying to find space for the running game. They're going to rely on that stretching the field ability, even if they're not completions, just getting him in a one-on-one -on -one scenario down a sideline that gets a defensive coordinator thinking like, hey, maybe I want some over-the-top help with the safety on this guy. Um, it opens up a lot for an offense. So 
those guys, I don't think their roles will change a whole lot this year. You can expect them to try to be a bit more productive in those roles this year. Um, but that brings us to the, <laughs> the big question mark here, the third receiver. I think it'll likely be an outside receiver. Um, you would think Ricky White at the end of last season. But... Ricky White, I just before we move on. So first of all, there's nobody knows what's going on with him. Not practicing right now, not apparently with the team. But I, I got this nugget that last year. So in that Michigan game, eight targets, eight catches, 196 yards and a touchdown. We remember that just a ridiculous performance coming out party. And we're thinking we got the next great Michigan statewide receiver on our hands. The rest of the season, he had 13 targets, two catches, three drops. And so there was obviously, you know, he was, I know he dealt with some injuries and, and he wasn't, he didn't play every game of the season. But the times that he was on the field, I, I mean, it just fell off a cliff. And so to go from 196 yards and a touchdown, eight catches on eight targets, you're catching everything that's thrown your way. You're making big plays against your rival to 13 targets, three drops and two catches the rest of the year. It, it doesn't get more Jekyll and Hyde than that it, it really I can't it, it, none of it makes sense yeah it's uh I mean sometimes you get a flash in the pan you know sometimes you just get a dude who the stars align for a day and he's the he wins the day um, who was that there was that Tigers dude who had like nine home runs in April one year yes and then... Chris Shelton 2006 <laughs> April of 2006. Maybe he's he had, Chris Shelton. <laughs> maybe he is. That's it. I remember that. I, I remember he had like seven home runs in the first four games of that season or something ridiculous like that. And we're like, oh my God, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And like he ended up finishing the season in like double A or something. <laughs> but yeah, so when you take those top three receivers out, you have the the most catches by a wide receiver on the roster last season was Trey Mosley with seven. Um, and below that was Trayvon Morgan with two and Cade McDonald with two and Terry Lockett with one. And that's it. So you've got two guys, assuming Ricky White isn't in the mix, at least to start the year here. You've really got two guys with any meaningful production coming back last year, which means or coming back this year from last year, which means that third spot is wide open mm -hmm. and we have quite a few guys who are fighting for it uh we're getting some updates here and there uh so we've mentioned keon coleman obviously a fan favorite true freshman with a lot of size a lot of athleticism and just raw ability but you never know with true freshmen whether they're going to pick up the system soon enough or not terry lockett guy from minnehaha academy in minneapolis uh sophomore who had a little bit of chatter in the offseason. Haven't been hearing much coming out of camp around him. Uh, C.J. Hayes, who's, I think, a fifth or sixth-year guy. Um, fifth-year guy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Brown. Uh, but the guys that I really think are going to compete for this spot are Keon Coleman, as I mentioned, uh, Trey Mosley, who's been around for a while. He's, well, I guess not. He's a redshirt sophomore. But 
Um, seems like he's been around. Compared to a lot yeah. of this roster, man, he's he's the elder statesman. <laughs> the Wiley vet, yeah. Um, and then a couple more names here. Montori Foster, a sophomore who's been getting a lot of chatter coming out of camp. And I will also throw in Christian Fitzpatrick, the transfer with a lot of size, again, 6'4", from Louisville, whose brother actually just got drafted in the uh, the NFL coming out of Louisville. So um, I think it's between those four guys. You've got a couple other guys kind of muddling around on the roster, but I think it's a four horse race here. And I don't really have, a, uh, I have personal favorites, but I don't really have a prediction that I'd really confidently be able to put on this. Kevin, what about you? No, my, like you mentioned that, I mean, as far as like a personal favorite, like if I had to, you know, obviously with our knowledge of without seeing these guys day in, day out on in the film room, on the practice field and stuff, just from what we've seen on the game field, the last couple of years, I, Trey Mosley is somebody who I still, I really like his game. 2019, he ended that season against Maryland and uh, Wake Forest in the bowl game and, and played pretty darn well. He had uh, eight catches and 73 yards against Maryland. He had 50 yards against Wake Forest. And then, you know, last year he he dealt with some injuries. He only played in four of the seven games, uh, just really struggled to be consistent. He played the first game and then got banged up and missed the middle chunk and then came back at the end of the season and just wasn't able to get into a rhythm but I still think he's got the talent to be one of those outside receivers, six two, decent size, somebody that that's just shown me enough that I would feel pretty good about him as the third option in the offense. But like you mentioned, in terms of a prediction, I have no idea where this could go. Uh, but if, if you're asking me to pick the guy that I've seen perform well, that that would be him. But again, like you mentioned, I mean, most of these guys we haven't seen at all. So uh, there's not really a whole lot to choose from in terms of guys that we've actually seen on the field. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, Trey Mosley is really the only one with a resume. Like you said, Christian Fitzpatrick didn't record a catch at Louisville last year. He's only a redshirt freshman. Um, basically put him in the same bucket as Keon Coleman, like get him on the field and see what he can do. But nobody really knows. Um, and Montori Foster didn't record a catch for us last year. He's only a true sophomore. Um, we've heard things, but he's also only six foot 185, kind of that same build as Naylor and Reed. And if you want kind of a, a bigger guy who can add a change of pace out there, he, he doesn't really fit that mold. So it obviously depends on what the staff's looking for, and obviously it depends on their performance in camp. But honestly, I don't think in a position like wide receiver, I don't think the coaches are putting too much pressure on themselves to find their number three guy. I think you're just going to see a, a steady rotation of guys getting their reps, getting their looks, and, and we're going to see how they look, you know, in, in live game reps and, and go from there. So the, the positive is that um, there's a lot of options there that I think everyone's excited about. This isn't like the offensive line where you're scrapping for guys that you're kind of nervous to put on the field. This is kind of the opposite where I'm Really excited to see these guys. I think we have options of all the groups on our team, all the position groups on our team. I think we probably, this and running back, we probably have the most exciting options to try out. Um, and at this position specifically, we have a couple guys anchoring the group who you know you can rely on. So Right, that's that's um, the good thing is you you know that you have those top two guys that you can lean on 
the the issue really comes into play is and you don't want to talk about it you don't want to think about it but if one of those two were to get hurt suddenly you're really worried about the depth because again it's just guys you haven't seen so it it's an interesting group i think there's a lot of of potential big time playmakers but you're just really not sure about any of them and <laughs> you look at the tight ends and it's it's a weird kind of I want to say it's kind of the same situation but you have a guy like Trenton Gillison who we've seen plenty of and the potential is there just hasn't panned out for whatever reason and you know again I I was looking at this PFF stats and last year they were moving our tight ends around a lot. And, and that's something that I know Jay Johnson coming into last off season, he made a big deal about how the tight end is, is really the MVP of the offense. I remember that quote and how <laughs> the tight end is going to be an important piece to this. And when you look between Trenton Gillison, Tyler Hunt, uh, Matt Dotson, they were getting a ton of snaps in the backfields in line as a blocker out in the slot. I mean, you look at um, Tyler Hunt from last year, right? Gillison was dealing with some injuries. He only played a couple games, but Hunt from last year, he had 64 snaps lined up in the backfield, 111 snaps lined up as a traditional inline tight end and 62 snaps out in the slot. So it's a position that requires a bit of versatility. You have to have a bit of athleticism to play it here. And I think we brought in, two guys in Malik Carr and Cameron Allen who fit that athletic bill. But again, just, you know, we go back to the lack of experience. These are two guys we just haven't seen on the field. Yeah, this is a, it's a tough position to predict. I'm really excited to see who emerges here. I think since the days of, um, gosh, probably 2015, we haven't really Josiah Price. Um, Matt Seibert had a decent career in the Lewerke days, um, but but nothing like Josiah Price. Uh, we really haven't had tight ends. And before that, we we seemed to always have a reliable guy to throw the ball to. We had Deion Sims. We had even Charlie Davis Gant before. had his time. Kellen Davis. Um, what's the, the Salik brothers? Did Only one of them went to MSU. But um, yeah, it's it's been a position that's been, again, kind of lacking along with the offensive line compared to what I think you and I were used to in our uh, glory days on campus. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, this offense is different in that there's really only one consistent spot. I mean, goal line, short yardage, you're, you'll see two tight ends, but down in down out, you're going to see mostly one tight end on the field. Um, so who's it going to be? Uh, and it'd be great to have a guy there who, you know, and one name we have not brought up maybe you did and I wasn't listening was Connor Hayward who has been thrown in the mix at tight end. (laughs) I don't know what to make of that at all. I don't know if that's going to be like a gadget package as like a split or slot wide receiver kind of situation or an H back. Um, A lot has been made of his pass blocking ability. So maybe an H back makes a lot of sense there uh, for him, but another name to throw in the mix and, and you mentioned guys like Malik Carr and Cameron Allen. We have no sense of their strengths and weaknesses yet. You know, we know they're athletic guys, but we don't really know what they can and can't do. 
um, which would obviously influence what kind of packages they're on the field for. So again, similar to that third wide receiver spot, I think we'll probably see a platoon to start the year. Um, I don't think any of these guys are going to be able to make enough of a splash in camp to really lock down the position. Um, and let's not, neg- not neglect the blocking capacity for tight ends guy like Adam Berghorst, who's been in the program for a couple of years and bigger guy, six, seven, two sixty, kind of a goal line guy who can give you a, a change of pace there. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what mix they use, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird group. Um, and, and it, they, as you mentioned, Jay Johnson likes to use them in a lot of different capacities. Yeah. Malik Carr coming in from Purdue is somebody that people are really excited for. He was a local kid. He was a top 200 recruit. He was a, one of the top players in the state of Michigan in his class. I, I never knew this before. Uh, I, I was reading the bio, uh, his mother, Peggy Evans, former Miss Basketball in the state of Michigan from Detroit Country Day, she put up 47 in a state title game uh, back in her heyday. Still a women's basketball record uh, in in the state of Michigan. Won a national championship under Pat Summit for the Tennessee Basketball Volunteers, uh, the Lady Volunteers, that is. So the bloodlines are are good. And he's somebody that, you know, again, people are really excited for in terms of what he could be as an athlete, but just haven't really seen it. He he got on the field very little. I think he only played one game for Purdue last year against Iowa, uh, had one catch, I believe, and that was about it. And then, yeah, I, Tyler Hunt was probably the best tight end on the, on the team last year. And that's with Dotson, who was you know, a, a senior really experienced and Trenton Gillison, who was a former four star and a junior, somebody who's been in the program for a long time. And you got this kid who comes in as a converted punter. He's played now at Michigan state. He's been a, a kicker, a punter, a kickoff specialist, a holder, and now a tight end in high school. He was a quarterback and an all conference baseball and basketball player. The kid does it all. That's pretty clear. But yeah, if, if you told me going into last year at this time that, yeah, you know who's going to be the best tight end on this team is that punter, Tyler Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I would have no idea how to react to that. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a guy who I think if he has another successful year will absolutely be a fan favorite. Um, I think with the weird season last year, his story was kind of overlooked a little bit, Um, but he was productive, Um, all things considered as an MSU tight end compared to his peers. Um, Just taking a look at the stats, he had eight catches for 78 yards. So, I mean, a catch a game. And a rushing touchdown. And a rushing touchdown for one yard. Um, Yeah, he, I think he had one rush for one yard for one touchdown. That's efficiency, baby. You could certainly use more out of your tight end than, you know, eight catches for 78 yards in seven games. But uh, compared, again, to his peers, Matt Dotson is the only tight end with more production, nine for 107 and no touchdowns. So, um, yeah, he's, I guess, the reigning tight end king on the team. Um, He was more productive than Trenton Gillison, and nobody else really made a splash at tight end last season. So um, you certainly can't count him out. If anything, he's the favorite to be, you know, at least week one, the starting tight end. So um, yeah, it's, it's a really fun group. I have heard great things from Cam Allen from a leadership perspective. I've heard from earlier this off season that 
he's already kind of the leader of the room, the emotional leader of the room. So um, he certainly came to campus with kind of an intent to, to be the guy. And obviously there's a lot more to it than just being a leader. You have to know the playbook and actually be able to perform, but um, it's a position that could certainly evolve as the, uh, as the season unfolds. I think, you know, to kind of wrap it, I think the most likely situation here is you're looking at Trenton Gillison and Tyler Hunt, again, kind of combining for most of the tight end reps this year. Trenton Gillison, a redshirt junior who's played in 18 games. Uh, Tyler Hunt, somebody who stepped in last year and did a really nice job. I think that's the most likely situation. And I think... On that same note, I, I can speak for most fans here in saying the best case scenario is a guy like Malik Carr really fills out that that athletic profile that he has, really lives up to that potential, maybe even a little bit earlier than planned, and, and takes that, you know, really commands that role and and becomes that big play threat as the tight end that, you know, he's six five athletic uh, guy that can really stretch the field through the middle and, and complement those two wide receivers on the outside. That's your best case scenario. More than likely, I think Gillison and Hunt are going to be marching out there more often than not. Gives us a, a I wouldn't say a high floor, but a, a medium floor with a, a relatively low ceiling. But, you know, when, when you got Naylor and Reed healthy out there, I don't think you're asking for too much in terms of pass catching production, but I think uh, you're going to need to see somebody emerge. Like you said, our best teams have had a great tight end and Jay Johnson clearly values that position. So going to need to see one of these guys emerge, if not two. All right. So one thing we neglected, but I'm going to put us on the spot here, our weekly over under for the year or our our weekly prop bet doesn't have to be an over under. So um, I think, I'd like to keep mine contextual to what we've been discussing. So in, in tight ends are on my mind. So last season, our tight ends averaged about 3.1 catches per game. Um, I'll use an average because obviously this year we'll have hopefully almost twice as many games. So 3.1, we had, I think, 22 total catches in seven games from tight ends. Um, this year, over under three and a half tight end catches per game. Oh, I, I guess that depends on who you think is going to start, right? Because if well, that's who if, you think is going to start, because <laughs> if you think Malik Carr is somebody who could come out and play, he's definitely a pass catcher, and, and that would definitely have to go over. As is Cam Allen, right? And Trenton Gillison has has the profile to be that but just hasn't really shown it since that wake forest game that that bowl game where he had that long catch he had over 80 yards total in that game Uh, but i i really think tyler hunt is is a sneaky bet to to lead the team in snaps from the tight end spot and he was decent pass catcher but he's a really nice blocker and if he's the guy who's taken most of the snaps there i don't think he's going to get more than one or two catches a game. I'm going to take the un. Are we calling Connor Hayward a tight end? 
<laughs> well, let's I keep forgetting way. about his name, but now that we're talking tight ends and wherever he lines up more this season, that will be his official role. I think if, he's going to play a bit of a, a mix. If Connor Hayward is a tight end, I'll take the over. So you're, you are staking your claim on you're relying on Connor Hayward. Yes. <laughs> I, I just, I can't imagine a world where Connor Hayward isn't on the field for Michigan state football. And if he's on the fields again, like we've talked about it, you know, his, his running ability isn't really that extraordinary, but he's a decent blocker and he's got really good hands. He doesn't drop the ball when the ball comes his way, he catches it, he falls forward, gets three, four, five yards, but he moves forward. <laughs> Maybe Honestly, not that far forward, but he moves forward. Connor Hayward, like a lot has been made of his career at Michigan State. It was frustrating to see him get snaps last year over some of the guys we had behind him. I think this might be the perfect role for him because TJ, of what he does TJ well. TJ and Mason are fuming right now, by the way. <laughs> Well, hopefully they listen to this and they'll come at me in the group chat. But uh, I think it could be perfect because like the things he does well, he pass blocks well, he catches well. I think that's it. But like he doesn't <laughs> run it. Well, no, that's right? it. So if he's an H-back, tight end, split wide receiver, tight end, you know, like that will take advantage of his skill set without taking snaps and, and carries away from the guys I think we'd all like to see getting those carries. So I mean, if he's going to be on the team and he's going to be getting touches, I think this might be kind of the perfect world for him. I hope he can have a good year. Our our fan base can kind of put their gripes aside and, and really appreciate if he if he is able to to produce a little bit. They can appreciate that. Don't forget, he had two touchdowns against Michigan last yep. year. I mean, without him, we might not win that game. Obviously, somebody else would be getting those reps, but you never know. Without Connor Hayward, we might not have won have won the Michigan game last year. And we'd be having, we'd be one in six with it, probably an even worse off season, a worse outlook for this season. We owe a, some small debt of gratitude to the man. <laughs> yeah. So I, so. I really think you put him at a tight end role and you get a third and two, you give a little play action and you sneak Connor Hayward out. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to fall forward. And, and sometimes that's all you really need. And so I, th- I think, yeah, if you're, if we're counting Connor Hayward here as a tight end, I'll take the over on on your prop. I totally neglected to to think of one. So maybe I'll do two next week to make up for it. But uh, I think that's <laughs> a wrap right. here. Uh, we finished the offense next week. We'll come back with the defense. We are so close, man. We are less than two weeks away as people are listening Next got, week is week zero. It's not a Michigan state game week, man. but it is a college football game week. Yeah. We we'll, big 10 football. We'll have to make a quick pick on that before we get to, uh, so that'll be next oh, week, picks. but, uh, yeah, we, we've got a season preview to record. We've got uh, a Michigan state Northwestern game preview to record. Uh, we've got some really exciting stuff coming up here. So if you're not subscribed already, first of all, what are you doing? Second of all, hit the subscribe or follow button, depending on what service you're listening right now. Follow on Twitter 
I am at standing room MSU. Scott is at Spartan Martin 18. You can find both of those in the show notes. Just click on the, the uh, podcast episode and you'll find those. Uh, the website standingroomspartans.com. We've got a bunch of good articles up there from the last couple of weeks. We'll have a couple more since we have recorded before you are listening. Uh, I've got a running back preview that I'm basically finished with now. I just have to post it. So as you're listening, that'll be up there. The quarterback previews up there. We've got a, a bio of kind of talking second year MSU head coaches and where Mel Tucker's potential year fits into that bunch of good stuff up there. So, uh, you know, really just follow along and it's going to be a really fun season. We've got a bunch planned. And like I mentioned, we'll tease it again. New logo is coming uh, next week. As you're listening to this, you will have a new logo in your feed. Don't be surprised, but be appreciative because it's awesome. Uh, anything else, Scott? No, I'm stoked. I mean, you mentioned the logo. We've got a bunch of fun stuff. We're putting more out on our website, trying to, we're only two man crew with a couple of full-time jobs, but we do what we can. And uh, yeah, we're going to be putting out a lot more content during the season. We're finally going to have some fresh content based on some actual on the field performances coming up. Um, and one of the most fun things for us is getting to interact with our community. So if you see something on Twitter or uh, you know, you have an opportunity to interact with us somewhere um, don't think it's unwanted. We love it. We mostly started this podcast to talk to people like you about MSU football. So throw us a comment. We'll get a little conversation going. Um, maybe we'll get some fans on the pod this season for some guest picks. We'll see what we do, but we always love hearing from you and you guys really are the reason we're still doing this. So uh, keep it up. We love you guys and uh, we will, we'll talk soon. We'll talk next week. All right. And that's a wrap. So without further ado, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.